Well, this week we uh, launched into another portion of instructing how things were supposed to work in the tabernacle. And uh, we heard about the Gershonites and how they were prepared to do the work. But that's what we're not we're not going to talk about that today. I have a brief story. It's kind of funny. Because I chose this story, um, and then Charlene asked me to uh, lead the first part of the liturgy, and you will find it amusing after I've made that statement. There was a Chazan who was invited for a tryout at a renowned synagogue. As soon as the Chazan opened his mouth to sing, the congregation began to cringe. His voice was unbearable. Not only that, but he was terribly off-key. Now, the president of the synagogue turned to the goodbye and said, where did you find this guy? You have to ask him to step down from the bema. It's just too much to bear. So the goodbye now has this thankless job of doing everybody's dirty work. So he approaches this Chazan, motions for him to stop. But instead, Chazan continues. The goodbye tries again, this time tapping the Chazan on the shoulder. But he still wouldn't stop. Finally, with no other option, the goodbye grabs the Chazan and tries to pull him off the bima. The goodbye pulls and pulls, but the Chazan seems to be stuck. The goodbye looks down and realizes the Chazan has tied himself to the bima with his belt. From underneath his talit, the Chazan looks at the goodbye and says, What? Do you think this is the first time I had a tryout? You know, we've probably experienced a lot of times when someone was off key or someone's voice just was not right for that blessing or that song. I hope we would never be that critical, that we'd accept it with the spirit in which it's being presented. Except maybe some people who remain unnamed. Now, most of us are familiar with the movie Filler on the Roof. There's a particular scene, right? I believe it's right near the beginning, if I recall, where someone's asked the rabbi, may I ask you a question? There it is. He knows it. To which he replies, certainly. They ask him, is there a proper blessing for the czar? His response is, a blessing for the czar. Of course. May God bless and keep the czar. Far away from us. Now it's been said, and we've talked about it here often, that in Judaism, there's a prayer for almost everything. And I do mean everything. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, talk to Mouse afterwards. He'll break it down for you. (laughs) A lot of things we take for granted. So there's a blessing. Here's another story. It's about a young boy. And he was a member of an underground Israeli paramilitary organization called the Irgun, which some of you may or may not have heard of it. 
But that Irgun is short for Ha-Irgun, Ha-Tzavai, Ha-Leumi, Be'eretz Yisrael. Literally meaning the national military organization in the land of Israel. So this young boy was very religious. And he received the assignment of blowing up the oil refinery. This was the only refinery that existed in Palestine during the British mandate. Now, he didn't have a lot of experience in doing these things. This is one of his first assignments. But he had a customary approach to how he came to every situation. He always had a blessing to recite before doing anything significant in his life. When it came time for the day he was to blow up the refinery, he realized he would need a special blessing, that that he wasn't sure what it was and what he should say. So just before he fired the bomb into the refinery, a blessing came to him. And he said this. Some of you will get it in Hebrew. I would do the translation. Which literally means, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has commanded us by your commandments and commanded us to kindle the light. Why do, I, why do I bring this up? Well, because one of the most famous blessings, which is actually quite universal, and not just for Jews, but also for Catholics, for Protestants, and others who have actually adopted it into their regular liturgy. It's known as the priestly blessing or the ironic benediction. And it is featured in this week's parasha. Just before the multiplicity of verses that repeat themselves 12 times, and we talked about that last year, because all the gifts that all the tribes brought were identical, but the Torah records them tribe by tribe. Well, this comes before that. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So the next few minutes we're going to examine these three blessings. The first one. The Lord bless you and keep or guard you. Rashi had a question on this blessing. He said, the Lord bless you. I get it. I understand that. It means you should have prosperity. That God should grant you good things. But what does it mean that God should guard you? What a strange partner to the first part to bless you. He says that the guard you means that no robber should come and steal what God has given you. He also said that human beings can give a gift, but only God can give a gift and also ensure that it will be secure in the hands of the recipient. He concludes by saying, how much fun is it to receive a gift and have someone steal it away from you? But what does it actually mean when God blesses you and then also protects you or guards you? Someone once said that guarding 
is actually to keep those possessions from possessing you. So it becomes a prayer that God protect you against the negative effect that can result from, ready for this? Too much prosperity. See, we can sometimes suffer from failures in life, but there are also, there's a possibility that we could suffer in prosperity. I know the first thought is, well, if I, if I was prosperous, I, I sure wouldn't suffer. Well, you know what? Look at some of the rich, richest people in the world. And many of them are without God. So yes, they suffer in ways that we could never imagine. See, with success, some people become egotistical. They can become tempted to take a road that leads to self-gratification and glorification, which then tends to lead them into worse situations than before, and then they truly suffer. They often think that they must be really smart and that they are self-made in all that they've done. And they mistakenly think they did it all on their own. They either don't know God, or once the prosperity has come, they forget God. Sometimes they have a life that fails to appreciate the presence of a greater source for their success and wealth. See, I would hope that if any of us ever became prosperous, if we became wealthy, that we would never fall into that trap, that we would remember where that wealth and prosperity came from and glorify him and not our own abilities. See, it can sometimes be dangerous in life when you have too many riches. Because it can seek, it can lead to seeking and pursuing things, and those things can end up being a disappointment. You know, we all think about the things we think we need. Usually it's just something we want. I've talked, I've talked about it before. Botany and I have a nephew that when he was younger, he would ask for, in this particular time, he was asking for ice cream. And my brother and his wife were telling him, no, you can't have ice cream. And our nephew would say, but I need it. But he didn't need it. He wanted it. Part of that problem, of course, was out of order. Um, of course, if you were in our house, it might have worked a little bit. We hadn't eaten dinner yet, and he wanted the ice cream now. He needed the ice cream now. Obatya likes to say, have, eat dessert first because life is short. This one rabbi told the story of his six-year-old daughter. He had, and she had a problem. Six years old, really? He says, it seems that every time there was a commercial on television, whether it was for a new toy that she wanted or for a new cereal that she wanted to taste, there was a problem. It wasn't that she wanted something I wouldn't give to her. Her complaint was that she recognized, six years old, by the way, she recognized that she seemed powerless to see a commercial and not want. Six years old, and she's already bothered by the fact that she knew something was wrong with the feeling that compelled her to want every new thing. 
So be it with us. She said, I can't help it, Abba. Every time I see a commercial, I want it. He concluded the story by saying she wasn't happy. She was frustrated. Her struggle was the first indication that there was something very deep and very good inside of her. This following is known as the Creed for the Disabled. It was written by an unknown Confederate soldier. It says, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am, among all men, most richly blessed. See, we often ask God to bless us. Not always to give us what we want, but usually to give us what we need. At the same time, we should learn to appreciate whatever it is he gives us as a result. That makes it a blessing that we receive and keep. Not only does he guard it, but we will guard it because we appreciate it so much. Then nobody will be able to steal that appreciation from us. There's another interesting point of this first part of the, the blessing. Is the Bible scholars, <clears throat> even those of us here that study Scripture from the Hebrew, will we'll get this. It's written in the singular. Yivarechacha, may you singularly, individually be blessed. But wait a minute. If I remember right, in the context, the blessing was being said to everyone who heard it, not just an individual. It's being spoken to everyone at the same time, isn't it? Because if you back up one verse, it says, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel, plural. So it looks like we found that the scribes made an error in grammar. No. No. Not an error in grammar, but it teaches us a very important lesson. The lesson is the greatest blessing is when we are all joined together as one. Joined together in unity. Therefore, the blessing being singular is not being pronounced upon a group, but upon one heart joined together. Unified, we can overcome almost anything. But when there's division, when we have various factions or groups, their time, their energy, and their wisdom, and all their efforts are wasted concentrating on those divisions. So it leaves no chance for the blessings 
to come to fruition as one. In America alone, there's a disconnect in Jewish unity. There's a lack of agreement as to who is Jewish. For instance, in Reformed Judaism, there's no requirement for conversion if the father is Jewish. And because of that, the children are raised under a patriarchal view. But as a result, they're not considered Jewish by other Jews. Now, converts to conservative Judaism are accepted by Reform, but mostly challenged by the Orthodox. Even Orthodox conversions that are performed by modern Orthodox rabbis are generally accepted by conservative and reform, but not generally accepted in the land of Israel. So there's a disconnect in the unity. If we're not unified, we're divided. The second blessing says, Ya'er Adonai Panavalecha Bichunika. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. That's an indication that God smiles his favor on his people, which is evidenced by him being gracious. Being gracious is to bestow favor, especially when the favor is unmerited. Because we know from our studies, that's what grace is. It's God's unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. It was granted to you. This blessing is actually runs parallel to the first blessing. And it keeps with that whole concept of God giving it and God guarding it so that you don't lose it. The final blessing says, Yisadonai panav alecha lecha shalom. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you notice, there's a progression in the three blessings. Not only in concept, but in the way it's presented. The first blessing has three words. Second blessing has five words. And the third has seven. And they all build on each other to come to, as one rabbi put it, a wonderful crescendo. Concluding with shalom. See, the last words of any blessing should be about peace. I know world peace may not happen in our lifetime. And again, it may. We don't know. We don't know when the Prince of Peace is going to come and bring peace to this earth. We just don't know that. There are speculations. But if you think about it, some of those speculations have already come and gone. Dates have been placed on the calendar. Yeshua is coming here. What happened? He didn't come. But we can live a life of peace in our hearts. We can live a life of peace within our families. Rabbi Abraham Shmuel Benyamon Sofer wrote, Peace begins in the home, then extends to the community, 
and finally to the entire world. So I don't know if we'll ever see peace in our lifetime. It's not up to me. I'd love to, but it's not up to me. But we can start with ourselves. If we bring peace to ourselves, maybe we can bring it to our families. And as the rabbi said, in the home. Then extend it to our communities and eventually to the whole world and even including the land of Israel. We need to start small sometimes. A lot of times we, we have great thoughts. We, have, we, we, want to, we want to accomplish world peace now. But do you have peace in your home? Do you have peace in your own heart? Do you have peace in your community? Because you don't start small, there's a breakdown in between. Something is incomplete. There's a disconnect. God's the only one that can go from small to great in an instant. We can't. We have to go step by step with what we have in our abilities that are given to us. And by doing that, how many are familiar with the whole throw, skipping a rock and you see the ripples and they kind of keep going off and going off? If we start small, maybe we can start a ripple effect with shalom, with peace. And maybe we can help to bring peace and harmony to our families, to our communities, and let that ripple effect go out to the entire earth. My prayer is that we might see that in our day. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you and we bless you because your word is true. Nothing we do apart from your word, outside your will, will stand. All that you give us, all the grace that you bestow upon us, we didn't deserve it. But you gave it because of your love for us. We are your people. We are your children. We are your ambassadors. Let us take your word. Let us take these things to those that we meet on the streets, to those in our families, those that come to our homes. Let us be a witness for you and spread the good news of your kingdom. Let us be witnesses that your grace was not something that we purchased, not something that we earned, but that your grace is given freely because of the love you have for us. You first loved us that we could turn around and love you. Thank you, Lord, for this Shabbat. Thank you, Lord, for these people, your people. And I pray, Lord, that you would always watch over and guard our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. Guard each and every blessing that you have given to us that no one can snatch it out of our hands. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen.